feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. So what do you think of justice under New York D.A. Alvin Bragg? Well, remember, this is the guy who never really after went after business issues, but went after Trump, of course. And also remember Jose Alba, the bodega worker. He went after him for defending himself behind the counter. And now he has officially charged Daniel Penny. The Marine, the 24-year-old Marine who put the homeless guy in a chokehold because he was threatening other passengers on the train. So what do you make of the fact that now Daniel Penny has been officially charged? He has been charged with manslaughter. He could get up to 15 years behind bars. That's unlikely that he would get that. But he was walked today in handcuffs. And done a perp walk today. What is your reaction? And do you think that this will sway other people and discourage other people from maybe coming forward when they see something like that, whether it's on a train or on New York City streets? Because guess what? Uh, It's like every single day almost on the subway, there is some loony kazoony who is there and who's shouting and is out of control and screaming and everything else. And because of that, this is something that every single New Yorker deals with every single day. And it's actually a very, very scary scenario. If you haven't been on the New York City subway, my only advice to you is pray. (laughs) Literally, it is just one big scary place and you're cooped up. You can't go anywhere. You can't do anything. You're stuck there. And we know the story of Jordan Neely, that he comes on the train He threw some trash at somebody, then he threw his jacket at somebody, and then he shouted, I'm ready to die, and I don't care if I spend the rest of my life behind bars. I consider that a threat. What about you? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And you are listening to The Rita Cosby Show. To me, I am so worried tonight now that this guy has been charged that anybody who wants to be a good Samaritan in the future is going to be like, whoa, I don't know if I want to get called in. I don't know if I want to have people picketing outside of my house. I don't know if I want to be charged with manslaughter and have to spend tons of money fighting it. So I'm just going to sit back and not do anything. And boy, what a sad place America is if we get to that, where people are actually scared to report crimes or scared to intercede. People are already on edge and afraid of it as it is. And now we're about to make it a whole heck of a lot worse. And that's what really saddens me tremendously about this case. Not only what's happened to this 24-year-old Marine, but also just what the chilling effect I think it's going to have on other citizens. Uh, Whether it's in New York or whether on a subway in L.A., uh, whether they're in Chicago, anywhere, Atlanta, anywhere. They're going to go, oh, my God. Uh, This happened on the bus, uh, but I don't know if I should step in because I don't know if I want to have the mob come after me. I mean, what a sad reality and what a sad place we're in. And I also blame 
by the way, all this crazy defund the police movement, because so much of that contributed to this moment. Had there been a police officer on that car and had the police feel emboldened to be able to act and not feel like they're going to get called into internal affairs, maybe the things would be a little different, too. We didn't have enough police officers. You can't have a cop on every single subway car. But, boy, it'd be nice if we had an officer on that car that day. Things, I think, would have been different. That's that's one thing for sure. And I also think that all of these things, people are feeling so frustrated with the system. Think about what's going on with the revolving door of justice, whether it's in New York or on other locations with soft-on crime DAs. Alvin Bragg's not the only Soros guy. I mean, you got George Gascon, you got Krasner in Philly. There's a slew of them around the country. And a lot of these guys perpetuate this whole, you know, all right, let's sympathize with the criminal and let's go after the victim, basically. And this revolving door where people feel emboldened and they feel like they can act and they can feel like they can do it without repercussions. And that scares the heck out of, I think, any good minded citizen because they're sitting there going, um, well, I guess I got to take law into my own hands because the cops aren't around. And if I don't stop this guy, uh, he's going to be back out on the streets in five more minutes. I mean, there are so many things that I think go through your head at that moment. And of course, preservation. Who's to say if that guy, Jordan Neely, who had 42 prior arrests, who's to say if he pulled out a knife or pulled out a gun, then people would say, well, oh, I thought you were a big bad Marine. You let that happen. You know, I mean, think about the other way. Had nothing happened. And as a woman, if I was sitting there on the subway, I would pray to have a Daniel Penny sitting next to me. I've been on the New York City subway, and I would have begged to have had a Daniel Penny, a Marine sitting next to me who at least was watching my back. You know, they got your six. And, and I can just tell you tonight, this is a really, really sort of sad day, I think, in so many ways. What are your thoughts? And do you think these charges will stick? against the former Marine, Daniel Penny. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Well, earlier today, I spoke to the attorney for the Marine, Thomas Kneff. And Thomas is the one who is representing Daniel Penny. He was with him in court today when he showed up for the arraignment. He volunteered. He surrendered because he knew he was being charged. And this is what he told me. He was on Cats and Cosby, the great show that I host with John Katzenbatidis at 5 p.m. every weekday, which I love. If you haven't heard it, you got to check it out on WABC Radio and WABCRadio.com. You can hear it 5 p.m. Eastern. And we interviewed Thomas Kneff, and he is, again, the attorney for the Marine. And this is what he told us. You know, there is very little doubt in my mind that when everything is fleshed out and comes to light, that, you know, uh, my client, Daniel Penny, will be absolved of any uh, any wrongdoing here. Um, you know, he didn't enter the subway seeking to you know, harm anyone. He didn't enter the subway seeking to attack anyone. He was really putting himself in harm's way for the benefit of others. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he shouldn't be you know, pilloried for that. He should be celebrated. He should be celebrated. That is his words. And he talked about his distinguished service in the Marines, his background, no criminal history, family in Long Island. He was released, Daniel Penny, on $100,000 bond. And here also is the attorney for Jordan Neely. Now, remember, the guy had 42 prior arrests. 
including attacking a seven-year-old child, also attacking a 67-year-old woman in New York. He's got violent, you know, arrests in his background, clearly a symptom of the revolving door. He had schizophrenia. Uh, There are reports that he was on K2, uh, a hallucinogenic synthetic. And we don't know if he was on it at the time or not, but we know he's had a history of drug use. He's had a history of clearly assaults and other things. And if you take a listen to the attorney for Jordan Neely, this guy's name is Dante Mills. This is what he said afterwards in a press conference. You would make it sound, it makes it sound like like Jordan was just kind of tiptoeing through the tulips on the subway train. Take a listen to how he portrays it. No one on that train asked Jordan, what's wrong? How can I help you? He was choked to death instead. So for everybody saying, I've been on the train and I've been afraid before, and I can't tell you what I would have done in that situation, I'm going to tell you. Ask how you can help. Please. Don't attack. Don't choke. Don't kill. Don't take someone's life. Don't take someone's loved one from them because they're in a bad place. No one on that train said, you started out by saying, I'm hungry. I need food. I'm done with it. I don't know where to get food. I don't care if I die. I don't care if I go to jail. I'm just done. No one said, here you are, sir. Let me meet your need or help you in a situation or give a word of encouragement. That's not what happened on that train. All right. Is there anybody out there that thinks the solution was when somebody is totally off their rocker, screaming, as you just even heard from the attorney for Jordan Neely, I want to die. I mean, he just repeated what everybody else was saying that was heard on the train. I want to die. I don't care if I go to jail. That you should intervene and say, sir, how are you doing? Um, Could I help you? What can we do to help? He's going to turn on you. That is the craziest, most lunatic advice I have ever heard. That you would actually, somebody who's having like a psychiatric breakdown, screaming, threatening to kill himself, and basically the next step is kill everybody else, That's a that is a threat. There is no doubt about it. He's throwing stuff at people. He's screaming. He's flailing. And even when the Marine took him down, he was holding him in the chokehold. He was still flailing and fighting it off because who knows? Maybe he was high as a kite at the time. We don't know yet. But regardless, he is out of control. And you're going to go over and say, sir... Could I talk to you for a moment? How you doing? You, you actually think that somebody who is in that frame of mind is not going to suddenly look at you and turn on you and maybe attack you? You're When you see crazy people, and this goes for whatever city around the country, whether you live in Seattle, you live in L.A., you live in St. Louis, Philly, Atlanta, Memphis, wherever you guys are, whenever you are there and you see a loony kazoonie, you walk the other way. You don't want to go over and go, how you doing? How have you been? Hey, what's going on in your life? They can't rationalize. They're crazy. They're dealing with mental illness. They can't like sit and say, oh, thank you so much for talking to me. Oh, yeah, let's uh, sing, you know, tiptoe through the tulips or, you know. I mean, what are you kidding me? That is the most dangerous, craziest thing I've ever heard. And this guy is shaming everybody on the subway for not taking the time to walk over to Jordan and say, how are you, sir? I know you just said you basically wanted to kill yourself and make a threat to basically kill everybody essentially on the train by doing that. And everybody's scared to death of you. But don't worry. 
Let me help you. Have you been? Can I get you a cup of coffee or let's chat for a while? When somebody is off their rocker, there's no reasoning with them. And the last thing you want to do is have somebody try to pretend like they're like a uh, a therapist, an amateur therapist. That is the craziest, most ridiculous advice I have ever heard. And how dare this attorney, like, blame everybody else on the subway for not taking the time to comfort him as he's threatening everybody and throwing things. I, I mean, I'm sorry. When somebody's crazy like that, you just want to get away. And when you're on a subway, you have nowhere to go. The door is locked. It's moving. You can't exactly, like, hop off and go to another car. You can try. But then they might go, hey, where are you going? You know what I mean? Sit down and pull you. How about the guy? There was a case just recently where this woman... The guy came next to her. She tried to get away, and he yanked her by her hair and said, no, you're sitting next to me. She was like this, like, you see the video. It's been, it went viral. She's, like, screaming and panicked, and everybody on the train was, like, afraid to intervene. What if that guy pulled out a knife? I mean, this is scary stuff, and this person is loony. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Robert in Pearl River on Line 7. Uh, Robert, your thoughts about all of this? Yeah, hi, Reed. I, I, I looked at this uh, this case that's going to happen. Um, the, the, the lawyer for the defense is a very experienced guy, very confident. The other guy is not experienced. And I listened to his his comments. First off, the train, first and foremost, the train is not a, is a place to travel A to B. It's not an amphitheater. It's not a place for – it's not a gym. It's not a place for performances. The people are scared on the train. And, no and Robert, you know what? It's not a yeah. counseling session either. You know, not it's a not a therapy session. session. I'm sorry. Like you right. said, it's a transportation mode. It's not like, uh, could I sit there and talk to you and, and help you and, and, and spend time and comfort you? I'm sorry. People have other things. They're, and especially at that moment, they're thinking survival. They're not thinking like, uh, let me comfort Jordan. But go ahead. Right. He has a rep sheet. He has priors. And on the other hand, uh, the Marine has none. Uh, the other thing that helps this case is that they will come forward with the, the video and, and uh, examinations uh, from the attorneys is that when they show that other people were helping, holding him down because he was fighting and he was scaring people and he made, uh, you know, scary remarks that I'm going to die. I don't care. Like he was going to fight. So Neely was holding him down and they have to improve. They, they have to show intent that he tried to kill him. And that's not going to fly. If it did go to a trial, he'd be acquitted. And, uh, and all, also, um, you had the news defaming already, a, defaming AOC, some next where had called him a racist and brags and this. And then, you know, it basically comes down to white versus black again. And uh, Which, by the way, guy. by the way, Robert, I don't think race has anything to do with it. I agree with you that they're trying to insert it. But I don't think so. I just think that this guy saw a crazy person and was trying to do whatever he can to fight him off, uh, to protect other people. Do you actually think that that Daniel Penny thought anything about it being, you know, a white man or an African-American man? He just saw a crazy man, you know? And when he's all said and done, he'll be worth 500000 in the bank with book deals and uh, all everything else and interviews because he'll be richer. Well, um, and by the way, Robert, thank you very much for the call. By the way, speaking of $500,000, I told you about uh, Thomas Kenneth. Um, and when we talked to him earlier today, he, they did set up a legal defense fund on Go Send Go under Daniel Penny's name. 
And he said, I think he said they've gotten about half a million dollars already from people around the country. So uh, a lot of people feel in the same way you are, Robert. Let's continue with your calls after the break, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. It's the Rita Cosby Show. Well, it certainly was an extremely dangerous day on that subway. But if you listen to the attorney for Jordan Neely, that's the homeless man who died after he was put in a chokehold, you would think that the Marine who was doing it to, you know, basically succumb the guy so he wouldn't attack people on the subway, that basically Jordan did nothing. Jordan was just sitting there. And then suddenly was choked. Uh, That's not what happened. But listen to what the attorney for Jordan Neely had to say. There was no attack. Mr. Neely did not attack anyone. He did not touch anyone. He did not hit anyone. But he was choked to death. And that can't stand. What's your reaction to the fact he wasn't attacking, he says. He didn't attack anyone. Well, he threw things at people. And he also said, I want to die, and I don't care if I go to jail, and was shouting and screaming. So it makes it sound like the guy didn't do anything, and then suddenly the Marine comes out of nowhere and chokes him. I mean, that is not what happened. And even other passengers on the train have attested to what this guy, Daniel Penny, the Marine, who's now charged with manslaughter, and I contend that was Bragg succumbing to the mob because the mob's been demanding there be charges. There were not charges at first. And now he's suddenly kind of bypassed the grand jury and went ahead with charges on his own. So this is Alvin Bragg's form of justice in New York. And what a sad situation it is. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Christine, line three. Christine, your thoughts. Rita, you're absolutely right. Uh, I couldn't have described it better. And as a professional registered nurse, I'm a psychiatric nurse with many years of experience. I worked in many hospitals. Oh, wow. I heard I heard what you said when he was yelling, I want to die, I don't care, blah, blah, blah. He was a schizophrenic. He was diagnosed. He had a long history of arrest for criminal assaultive behavior, including punching a 67-year-old woman. I heard she suffered brain damage. That was the end of her life. Does anybody care about that? Yeah, and a, and a seven year old, uh, seven year old child too. I mean, I mean, it's uh, uh, you know what? Um, actually, do me a favor, Christine. Stay with us if you could, because we're going to go to a quick break. But I would love to hear your professional opinion. Um, we'll be back in a few minutes. Will you stay with us, Christine? Can you do I that? Certainly will. I oh, certainly will. Great, because I want to get your professional opinion and also your thoughts about the attorney saying. That people on the train should have gone over and said, how are you? As he's, you know, threatening to die and basically go to jail for the rest of his life. Um, I want to hear your thoughts. We're going to talk more after the break. It's the Rita Cosby Show. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue segment where we honor our great law enforcement and their Families. A powerful story coming from Des Moines, Iowa, where two police officers are being credited with 
helping save a man from jumping off a bridge. Two senior police officers saw a situation unfolding over the Des Moines River. A man was trying to jump from the bridge while his friend was trying to reason with him and trying to stop him. The Des Moines Police Department shared an interview with the officers after they stepped in, and one of them said, we ran over and grabbed him by his arm, and then another officer grabbed him by his other arm. A video released by the police shows the man's friend and the two officers pulling the man finally to safety. They said, our crisis intervention training, that's de-escalation. A lot of um, how can we, uh, how are we going to work through these very tense moments? But there's also that piece of you where you know you need to act instantly, that they could change in a heartbeat. And if you're hoping to save someone's life, you must respond immediately. They said that the man was also very, very upset. He was also angry with them at first. Apparently, he also lost his mother about a year ago. And that just uh, basically gave him the impression that he was done. And he also said he was going to end his life. By the way, um, they also remind everybody that at your fingertips, everyone, you could dial 988. And that is the number, basically, if you text that 24-7 to the National Alliance on Mental Health. Um, They said that it is so important, obviously, to have trained professionals intervene and to help in situations like this. And thank goodness for these two officers who were there at the right place at the right time to save this man's life. And hopefully he is getting the much needed help he deserves. Well, we are talking about mental health for sure, especially in the case of Jordan Neely. Clearly, this guy had a difficult life. And and my heart breaks when I hear the story. His mother was killed by his stepfather when he was 14 years old. A brutal killing. It obviously deeply disturbed him. Um, he obviously had a whole bunch of problems with drugs, schizophrenia, uh, crime because of the revolving door. He clearly absolutely needed to be locked up. I mean, he needed help. Um, but he also was clearly a danger also to other people based on his track record and based on what he was doing that day on the subway. And yet, Now, today, it's the Marine, of course, who is facing manslaughter charges. He could get up to 15 years behind bars. Uh, Take a listen, because Thomas Kneff, he is the attorney for the Marine. And he was with him in court this morning. And he said that this situation that the Marine was faced in, where he intervened to try to save everybody else on that subway train, that that's something that basically anybody who's ever ridden the subway knows exactly how tenuous, how dangerous it is, and also understands what happens, how there are people with mental illness constantly screaming, shouting, criminals on the train. Uh, That's also the streets of New York, but especially on those subways. Take a listen. Here's the attorney talking to us earlier today. The reality is that there is not a single living, breathing New Yorker, particularly anyone who rides the subways, who can't relate to exactly, you know, the sort of situation that my client was and the other passengers on that train were confronted with. That is in no way, shape or form to, you know, to to seek to, uh, uh, you know, demean uh, uh, the, the victim in this case. Um, you know, mental health, as you guys have been talking about before I joined, is a very serious problem. We're in a crisis situation. Well, and 
that is definitely something that we see all over the streets and subways of New York. But if you listen to the attorney, Lennon Edwards, he's one of the attorneys for Jordan Neely's family. He was asked, are you happy about the manslaughter charge? What does the family think about now that this guy, the Marine, has been charged with manslaughter? Uh, the attorney, by the way, for the Marine says he thinks all the charges ultimately will be dropped, that they will be victorious in the end because he said he was there defending people and that he never should have been charged. But he believes he will be absolved, that he will be ultimately cleared in this case. But the attorney for Jordan Neely's family says they are disappointed that it's manslaughter. They think it should be murder. They think that it was clearly an intentional killing. That's a big difference. Recklessness, intent, all those things go into play with the different levels of offenses. Manslaughter is obviously below murder in terms of charges. But they think he should be behind bars for the rest of his life. Uh, Listen to what the attorney had to say after the Marine got out of court today. Justice looks like a conviction, and justice looks like uh, a conviction for murder. When, when you are someone who is trained, we, we, we've heard about how um, Daniel Penny was trained. He was a decorated, they say, Marine. If you're decorated, to me, that means that you've gone through more training and more situations than someone who's a, a, new, a newbie in, in the process of, of, of military. Now, when you're trained in combat, that gives you something that the average person does not have. It gives you options. It gives you the option of bear hugging, of striking, of many other things. But Daniel Penny chose, intentionally chose, a technique to use that is designed to cut off air. That's what he chose. And he chose to continue to hold that chokehold minute after minute, second after second, until there was no life left in Jordan Neely. That's a choice that he made, and he did it intentionally. It's a choice he made, and he did it intentional, as opposed to protecting the other people on the subway. Uh, you can see where this is going. Uh, they're not going to be happy with anything, no matter what. I mean, it reminds me, who was it, Maxine Waters, remember, like right after uh, the verdict was coming, just about to come down in one of the cases in Minneapolis. She was like, oh, it better be first degree. It better be this. It better be that. And if it's not that, well, then we're going to do, we're going to burn down the city. You know, I mean. And we've already seen these protesters who have blocked train tracks. They've blocked bridges. It's a scary time right now. Uh, Emotions are running high. And, you know, to say, well, manslaughter is not enough, um, I think it's even hard to say there's charges there. When you hear the other passengers on the train, the other passengers on the train are saying that he was there defending other people, that he stepped in to try to protect Others, if you hear that, if you hear the background from others, not just take the word of the Marine, but if you just take the word of other passengers, so far I haven't heard a single person say his intent was to kill him. Every single person that I've seen the the testimony and the comments from other passengers say he was trying to subdue him. And then he also put him in this recovery position. He turned him on his side lifted his leg to sort of let blood flow to kind of come back into him, that he was trying to basically revive him, thinking he would just passed out. So I haven't heard anybody say, oh, his plan was to kill this guy. His plan was to stop him from harassing other people and threatening other people. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go back to Christine, who's been so nice to wait, uh, from Manhattan. And also, Christine, again, 
you've been a longtime nurse um, dealing with patients with mental illness. Um, Again, as you're hearing this, what are your thoughts? I, I think everybody who's been on a subway train in New York or anywhere in this country, but especially in big cities like New York with soft on crime DAs like Alvin Bragg, Uh, It's a formula for disaster. It's scary, don't you think, Christine? Look, Drita, I have over 28 years of psychiatric nursing experience, including the Pain Whitney Clinic Schizophrenic Research Floor. And I heard what you said, and I heard the description of what this man was yelling in the subway. He was a diagnosed schizophrenic with over 44 uh, history of assault, including injuring an elderly woman. Basically, what I was hearing was a psychiatric emergency of a schizophrenic who was suicidal and homicidal. That's what it's called. And if this had happened in a psychiatric unit, he would have been taken down by the nursing staff safely, professionally, in a trained manner, he would have been medicated and, if necessary, restrained and put in locked seclusion until the medication took effect. That Marine could not have reasoned with him when we introduce new people to psychiatry. One of the things we impress is you cannot reason with somebody who's out of control in psychiatry. That's the reason why they're in psychiatry. And you have to take this emergency action in order to prevent a horrible tragedy. These people are capable of homicidal behavior. Wow. That, you know, and Christine, from your experience, you know, you just brought up um, the the uh, you can't reason with them. I found it astounding. And I want to get your, um, you know, expertise on this, that this attorney was saying, well, nobody went over and asked him, how are you doing? How can I help you? I don't think when someone's in a psychotic, my feeling is when I see people like that, I want to get the heck away. You just don't want to you don't have any interaction because you don't want to be the person in front of them when they do have uh, potentially a a huge breakdown. Um, What are your thoughts of all of that in terms of the reasoning? Um, I think we just lost Christine, but Christine, call us back if you get a chance, because I am curious from your mental background, your mental history background uh, and great experience there as to if that's the right approach. To actually like go over to somebody and say, hey, I, I don't think you interact with them. I mean, that's my personal feeling. Let's go to Dom in Minnesota, line seven. Dom, uh, your thoughts. You just heard Christine with that powerful background that she has. What are your thoughts? I'm glad. I think I was, it was every, every minute was worthwhile listening to Christine because she speaks from experience. You know, Jordan Neely's death was a really tragic and sad incident. Absolutely. Having said that, this was a problem waiting to happen, and the perpetrators are all the white suburban people not affected by these incidents but feel morally superior to intervene and school the rest of us on proper behavior. So I have been a teacher for about 32 years, and because of that, I've had to force myself to train my mind not to behave in a way, you know, it's such that it offends somebody. Uh, so I have to meet people where they are, and you know, no matter what that situation is. Unfortunately, people don't get the fact that the more educated you are, the more self-aware you need to be. Like, you know, you know, you, you are able to take, uh, who was that, norm, and then be calm about it. Don't raise your blood pressure. That's a hard thing to do, and you're doing a fantastic job of it. So, and especially if you're not part of the equation, part of the struggle, you don't have any right to pass judgment on anybody. So, you know, let's let's give this thing a name so we can cure it. Let's call it the Maxine Waters syndrome. 
<laughs> By the way, that would be appropriate. And I think you mean um, I think you mean uh, Stan or Teddy or one of those guys, right? Who who uh, who always have an interesting perspective. Dom, thank you very much. Great, great points. Um, let's go to Gina. Uh, line six, Gina, what are your thoughts when you hear Jordan Neely's attorney saying, basically saying people should have gone in and talked to this guy, even though he was having a, a, a breakdown, as, as, you know, Christine so eloquently said that they are, quote, suicidal and homicidal. And she has almost three decades experience with people like this all the time. No, my opinion is that he is not reality based to think that a stranger can approach a deeply disturbed person and try to counsel them and console them. They have no bond with this person. They have no experience or or familiarity with them. It just doesn't sound reality-based. And also, I want to say, I was assaulted on the train in 2018. Uh, And a man intervened, and he helped me up from the ground. And I was not quite a felony yet, because I was only 64 years old. And the girl that assaulted me Uh, I took her picture and she said to me I don't care I guarantee you nothing's gonna happen to me oh my goodness the system is empowering because a lot of mentally ill people are very they're sharp you know they're they're not they're not stupid I mean they may be mentally ill but they're not stupid no you're right there and they're scheming and conniving and they're you know you're absolutely right Absolutely. So what happened? Somebody just attacked you on the subway or what exactly happened, Gina? It was a a very crowded train and I came from Trader Joe's with a little shopping cart and I sat next to this girl who didn't want me next to her, obviously, because as soon as I sat down, she started to elbow me in my ribs. And I said to myself, as soon as the the stop comes up and people move out, I'm going to get up and move. But she was quicker than me and she picked up my shopping cart and threw it to the right and then she picked me up. 150 pounds of me and threw me in the other direction, like like six feet away. And I was on the ground, and a man helped me, and then he hung on a strap in front of her to keep her in her seat. And when I took out my phone to take a picture, the rest of the people on the train were saying, leave it alone, leave it alone. Everybody was so frightened of her. Wow. wow. Now, let me ask you, would you have loved to have had a Daniel Penny on that train? Can I tell you something? Yes, because even the man that had the backpack and he stood in front of her, he was afraid, and he, he really didn't know what to do, and he was starting to yell at me for taking my my, my the picture. Right, because they just was, wanted to defuse it. Right, right. They were, they were, they were, everybody was afraid of her. They didn't know what was going to come next. Well, and that's the issue. You hit it on the head, Gina, because you just don't know what someone's going to do. And it doesn't matter if it's a woman or a man. Uh, if they're having a psychotic breakdown, uh, like it sounds like that person was obviously had some major issues. Um, and clearly Jordan Neely was. You don't know what's going to happen next. And the fact that this woman was able to pick you up and throw you, um, you know, who knows if she was on medication or, or illegal drugs. I mean, we don't know. Um, but people are crazy. And how scary is that? Thank goodness that guy intervened in your case and that you ended up being okay after all that. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Gina, thank you very much for calling. But you give us a great perspective of just how scary it is on the subway and how I think a lot of us would love to have uh, a Daniel Penny. I would love to have had a Daniel Penny on some of the rides that I've been on uh, myself, Gina, because it is just scary on the New York subway.
scary, scary stuff. And we need to do something to help the mentally ill, but we cannot have them affect society and hurt the rest of us. You cannot have innocent people suddenly victimized because somebody else didn't get the care, even if they absolutely needed it, absolutely deserved it. Um, then you got to get them locked up. I mean, Eric Adams was talking about this, vol- you know, making sure that people were involuntarily, if they didn't want to give them, you know, voluntarily check in, which a lot of them don't, then there would be some rights to involuntarily commit them. Because at some point you just have to, you have to do them a favor and you got to do the rest of society a favor. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. It's the Rita Cosby Show. Help, I need somebody. Just anybody, you know, I need someone. When I was young, so much well, Jordan Neely certainly did need help, uh, but it doesn't mean that he had the right to endanger everybody on that F train about 10 days ago in New York who were scared to death of this guy, especially as he was shouting and saying that he wanted to die. And as you just heard from Christine, who's a mental health nurse of basically almost three decades, she says these people are both suicidal and homicidal and outright dangerous on so many different levels. And that's why it is such a dangerous situation. And Daniel Penny, a decorated Marine, stepped in. Um, So in the next hour, um, we're going to be talking more about this. We will also be talking about what's happening at the border because it is downright scary now that Title 42 has been lifted. And also, I can't believe this. Anderson Cooper on CNN actually apologized on his show last night saying, you know, I am so sorry that the night before that we did a town hall with President Trump. And if you don't ever want to watch CNN again, I understand. I mean, I couldn't believe that. Are you kidding me? Like that President Trump had no right to be on the airwaves, period, was basically the gist of what he was saying, which is an outrageous comment. Uh, He is the leading Republican candidate for president. He's a former president. And there are times that I have people here that are on the show. I may not agree with everybody's different ideas, but that's America. We got to have everybody's opinion. That's important to hear from all of you and to hear everybody's different thoughts. You learn. You understand, you hear from each other. And certainly a former president and the leading candidate on the GOP side has a right to speak. And Anderson Cooper is making apologies, basically saying, uh, I'm disgusted with my network. And if you don't ever want to watch me again because we gave airtime to Donald Trump, shame on you, Anderson Cooper. That to me is unbelievable. That is disgusting. 1-800-848-9222. one 800 Eight four eight nine two two two. 848 Let's go to Larry. Uh, line three. Larry, your thoughts? Yes, Rita. I had a remarkable insight because I was going back and forth with this guy. And you, when you said, when you kept saying that he put him on the side for recovery, that sparked a tremendous insight. You know why this guy died? I'll tell you why this guy died, really. Because the cops took too damn long to get there. They took 15 minutes to get there. Now, now Daniel Petty, when he put him in a chokehold, he contemplated that the cops would be there in five, ten, ten, seven, ten minutes or something. But and he had to hold him. Once he got him there, 
he had a hold of because he, he thought maybe he had a gun in the wake of all these mass shootings. He thought the cops were going to come there in time. They took so long. That's why the guy expired. That's an interesting point, Larry. And we know that, by the way, you never have enough police. But you're right. It's the Rita Cosby Show. I know your name is Rita. Because your perfume is smelling sweet. Tonight, there are reviews taking place in New York City within the NYPD, uh, where a spokesperson for the Civilian Complaint Review Board is confirming that a complaint had been filed with the agency and a formal probe was underway to see if there was any wrongdoing in the decision not to charge the Marine, Daniel Penny, after he was questioned by cops after the homeless guy Jordan Neely died on May 1st. It's unclear who filed the complaint, but the city's police watchdog is investigating the NYPD and its decision not to arrest Daniel Penny in the chokehold death right when they had just interviewed him. Uh, We know that the medical examiner did determine it was, quote, a homicide, that there was compression on the neck. Um, But again... Right away from what we've heard from reports that what happened was we saw in the video, you see the Marine coming from behind. Apparently he was telling people, call 911, call 911. So it wasn't like he was hiding from the police. He was saying, get help, get help. I'm trying to restrain him. In the meantime, get police on here so we could try to get this guy off and hand him over to the police. I'll try to keep hold of him, basically. And then he had the other guys helping him, too. And then he apparently did talk to the police and answered a whole bunch of questions afterwards. Other passengers on the train also said that they saw what was going on and they said they didn't believe uh, that Daniel Penny was trying to kill him, that they just thought he was trying to restrain him and that maybe he had just passed out. And then as we were just talking about, the police came. The police didn't arrive. I think it was about 15 minutes until the actual police came. Uh, but the chokehold didn't last that long. So there's a lot of questions tonight, but I also wonder if part of the reason the police did not charge him was maybe there were other passengers who right away said, you know what, Uh, this guy was just defending everybody and trying to protect, and he was trying to hold him, and we don't believe he was trying to kill him or anything like that. Maybe police heard what we're all hearing and said, no, it doesn't make sense for any charges, but it'll be interesting to see who filed the complaint. And are they going to try to, like, now bring the police in on the hot seat as well? And take a listen, because earlier today on Cats and Cosby, uh, John Katsimatidis and I, uh, it's a show we host, of course, on WABC Radio at 5 o'clock every day. It's an awesome show. And we had on Thomas Kneff. Now, Thomas is the attorney for the Marine, Daniel Penny. And he told us, that right now they are doing a full-fledged inquiry, basically into the background of Jordan Neely. We know that he's had 42 prior arrests on the subway. Uh, we know for sure that, you know, he's had a history clearly of crime and mental illness, all those things. Um, and they are trying to see, go into the background to see what else is there, too. Uh, was there also drug history, as some uncles and other people have even come out and said? Um, what else is there that maybe we don't know? 
all of that would help shape because now he has to defend his client. He's got to do a full-throated defense of his client right now. His client could potentially face 15 years behind bars. This is what Thomas Kniff told us a little bit ago. We have a very uh, active investigation going on in this case. Uh, my firm works with you know all retired NYPD detectives, some of the best in the business. So yeah, I mean I can't discuss the details of it, but I would say you know one of the things I learned as a as a young lieutenant in the JAG Corps is you investigate early and you investigate often, mm-hmm. um, and we're doing that in that case, in this case, and and we've uncovered a lot, um, and I think we'll there'll, there'll be a lot more to come, frankly. Yeah, that's very interesting. Former NYPD, they do intense investigations. You better believe it. You got to look into everything in this person's background. And he said on the flip side, the Marine has no criminal history. He got released on $100,000 bond, uh, but he was a decorated Marine. No problems in his Marine past. Everything according to his attorney. And yet, if you listen to the attorney on the other side, uh, this is Jordan Neely's attorney, Lennon Edwards. Afterwards, he praised people like AOC and members of the squad. Now, AOC, she has, boy, has she been like fueling the flames. She came out and called it a murder. She came out and called it an execution. Uh, You know, uh, Ayanna Presley of Massachusetts came out and called it a lynching. I mean, this is just the rhetoric is so inflammatory and so reckless. But the attorneys were thankful for AOC. Take a listen. We have to look at the changes that need to be made from the top down. We want to thank ALC. We want to thank everyone, every politician who has spoken out about these issues. And we're asking for changes to be made so that there is not another Jordan Neely story like this. We're asking for changes to happen so that the adequate funding is there so that people get the help that they need. And listen, people should get the help that they need, but they do not have a right to infringe on other people. Uh, let's go to Robert in Suffolk County, Line 8. Robert, your thoughts about this. Hi, Rita. Oh, I'm glad to hear you. <laughs> this was an accident. He had no intention of killing him. It was not an execution, a lynching, or murder. He wanted to subdue him. Now, please, you're a news organization and a journalist. Get more video. There's videos from cameras that are on board the trains and in the station. We're not seeing the whole story of what happened. He may not have been in a chokehold. No, but we see it. I mean, what you're, are you parsing whether it was a physical chokehold? Because you see him coming from behind. We see at least that video and him holding him down clearly tight on his neck. I mean, that's a chokehold by most people's standards. What, what are you trying to say here, Robert? It may not have been a, a, a real full-out chokehold. Well, you never know. You and know, by the way, and you know what? You know what? Actually, where I thought you were going, where I think also it would be interesting to see what was going on before this, because we see the video of sort of the takedown and him holding him down. Um, but I'd be curious to see what was Jordan Neely doing, you know, minutes before. What would we see on maybe the when he got on the train? What else was he doing? Maybe the video shows some of these things that we're hearing that other passengers say he was doing and verify what the Marine was saying. So I think I think your point is a very good one. Um, And who knows? You're right. Maybe we see something else different from a different angle, too. 
Uh, very well could be. That That's a great, great point. Um, let's go to Norm. Line six. Norm, your thoughts. I don't see how justice is served by putting this uh, Marine in prison un- until he's 45 years old. I, I, I don't see it. Uh, on the other hand, uh, listen, a man did die. There has to be an investigation. I would like to know what type of stuff was running through his bloodstream. How close to death was he before before Mr. Penny put his arms around his neck? And um, as far as AOC goes, they're not happy. Uh, They would not be happy until uh, uh, Daniel Penny is hanging from a rope. Then that's what they want. They want him dead. That's it. Then then they could tell their constituents, look, oh, justice is served. A man died and now he's dead. And that's good. You know, I mean, this is this is, uh, you know, it's uh, it's ridiculous. It's it's not responsible. And. yeah, I do believe there should be some sort of investigation. Yeah, and, uh, and by the way, Norm, I agree that there absolutely should be an investigation. Um, I think it will have this is going to have a chilling effect. I mean, I think this is a litmus test for New York and for America in many ways, because it's like, who's going to want to intervene in the future? Who's going to want to step in if they're afraid of something like this happening? And I do think you should get things checked out. You hit it on the head in terms of what was on his, in a his system, because I think that that is key. I think it would be very interesting to find out. Um, and and Kenny uh, Kenneth, the attorney who we were just talking to, he's the attorney for the Marine who we talked to earlier today. Norm, he was saying that he hadn't gotten the autopsy results yet. Now that's really important because part of it is the toxicology, obviously. Um, and he wonders why. Um, which you could guess why. Maybe there's something in there that's not that helpful, and they're not in a rush to pass it over. They have to by law. Um, but I think that that's very telling. I think you could find out what was in a system, confirm also that it was indeed like the other caller was saying on the neck. I mean, I think there's a lot of stuff there that absolutely needs to be looked into and everything should be investigated. So everybody feels good that justice was served at the end of the day. And if indeed he gets, you know, exonerated of charges, then they feel like it was a fair investigation. But you can't suddenly start doing this. And locking up people for trying to intercede because then no one's going to want to intercede in the future. I mean, that's the scary thing. We just had the caller before, Gina, who called and talked about the woman who picked her up and threw her on the subway. And she had a guy who stepped in, he had a backpack, and he was blocking this crazy woman uh, from attacking her again after he threw her, after the woman threw her. You know, somebody like that is going to say, maybe I shouldn't intervene again if they hear what happened to this Marine. And that's the sad repercussion first we want justice for him but we also want justice for everybody else too as well um let's go to phil line two phil your thoughts yeah good evening rita it's a pleasure um listen the the situation is this penny's in a bad spot he's between a bad rock and a hard place on one hand he's got these these black politicians and 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 so-called leaders as well as antifa and black lives matter screaming they want him executed on the other side of the coin You've got the general public, strap hangers, who praise him and say, no charge, no charge. Unfortunately, this cannot be. You can't have it both ways. What, what's strange about it is that Alvin Bragg, I think for the very first time, is following the letter of the law, the letter of the law, by, by bringing up this uh, second-degree uh, manslaughter charge. Because Now, if it could be proven, it's not, he's not guilty yet. If it could be proven that... Uh, Penny actually caused, directly caused uh, Neely's death, then the charge is going to stick. 
Even with that, though, however, it could be brought down to a third-degree manslaughter charge, which is a little bit more lenient. But he still has to pay because a life, nonetheless, if it's shown that he did cause his death, even at the minimum, he has to be prosecuted. This is, this is the only way I got the bad news for you, really bad news, that this city is ever going to know any peace from here on in. Because BLM and Antifa are going to be out. If, if, he, if, if Penny is released, no charges, the city's going to burn down. There's going to be rioting every 10 feet. If he is charged by the mass, wow. it's a miscarriage of, of uh, justice. The whole, the whole thing is, what I find shocking is that suddenly he, all his family and relatives got these slip and fall lawyers. They were all running to court. Oh, uh, uh, we're going to ask 50 million. We're going to ask 45 million. Uh, this was a needless death. Here we go with George Floyd. He, his family got 27 million. It was never absolutely clear that the cop caused George Floyd's death. What do we do from here? What are the strep hangers going to do? They won't even interfere. They're going to be indolent. They're well, sit two, th- and two, two things, Phil. One thing, though, you brought up first off. I mean, I thought Derek Chauvin was way over the top. That's in the Floyd case. I mean, most even most cops say that about him. And he's a fellow cop. By far. I mean, you sit there and you see him. But let me let's get and I don't want to relitigate that. But let me let's go to this one that I actually you don't have to if somebody caused somebody's death, but it was unintentional. There is something known as justifiable homicide um, and you don't have to necessarily charge. Um, and I can tell you that I know that for a fact because I was on the show earlier. We were talking with a whole bunch of attorneys and it is clear that you don't have to necessarily charge. Do you need to investigate? Yeah, I think you absolutely should investigate. Um, and your point that what to throw him to what to uh, prison time to satiate a mob? How is that fair justice, Phil? I mean, how would it like? How would it, how would you like it if it was you? Um, I don't I don't believe in mob rule. What are your thoughts, Phil? I mean, it scares me what you're talking about that people will riot and if they don't get it. On the other hand, that's not justice. This is you know this is not a you know, seen out a gladiator. That's not the way it works in America. Your thoughts? The, the point is the P, New York State City Penal Code is very specific. It says anyone who, quote, anyone who causes the needless death of another individual by direct means, by verifiable means, is guilty under the statute, under the second-degree manslaughter or the third-degree manslaughter, depending on the severity of what happened. By the way, that statute also applies to an abortion specialist who performs an abortion on a woman and by negligence causes her death, and for someone who aids and abets a person to commit suicide. That's interesting. Although I will tell you, uh, attorneys have said you can absolutely have a justifiable homicide with no true bill, no charge at the end of the day. By the way, this will go to a grand jury. I also think Bragg circumvented clearly the grand jury system. He first charged because there was word that he was going to put it to a grand jury to see if they would come back with the charge. And guess what happened? Then he then he said, no, he saw the protests like you're talking about. And then he decided to charge. It will ultimately go to a grand jury for the indictment part of it. But he clearly wanted to hurry up and charge him. And I think he's already sort of succumbed very much to the mob. And what a sad place we're in, Phil, um, that that's the barometer for justice uh, although many legal experts, by the way, say you do not have to charge. Um, and also you have to show clear recklessness. That's the standard, by the way, for manslaughter. 
And you have to show that he acted with such disregard, such recklessness. And you can contend if somebody was in there in self-defense that it was being a good Samaritan to block others. And there's testimony from other passengers. uh, They may have a very hard time proving recklessness and even downgrading it to any charge at the end of the day. I mean, if you go before a jury of your peers and you have anybody who's ridden on the subways, um, they may come back and say, you know what, we, we just don't see it. And now, what Bragg could do, this is interesting, Bragg could still send it back to another grand jury. Uh, not that one again, but he could send it back to another grand jury and say, hey, let's have another grand jury hear it. So it may not be over if he's determined, but a jury of his peers may hear his case. And he, if he's, I think he would probably testify before them because I'd want to get it erased as soon as possible. And hopefully they would go, gosh, if I was on that subway train, I might have wished Daniel, you know, Penny had done the same thing. Um, and that's all it needs for him to do it. So he, he very well may not face charges. And I hope to God, uh, that people do not riot and do not have a terrible response if that's the case. Um, because what we're seeing right now, maybe there's other facts, but what we're seeing right now, uh, it looks like he was trying to step in to save others. And boy, how, what a sad day if you can't do that in America. 1-800-848-9222. It's the Rita Cosby Show. I was on my way down to Mexico. There was trouble on the rise. It was nothing more than I left behind, which was much to my surprise. I turned around and lit a cigarette, wiped the dust off of my boots. With up ahead, I saw the crowd. I knew it was no use. And everybody coming up after the break. We are going to take your calls about what's happening at the border of vis-a-vis Mexico, as you just heard in the song. Uh, they are having historic high number of migrants crossing. And so far, more than 30,000 in the three first days of this week, 10,000 a day. And Ted Cruz says it is the Biden administration that bears the responsibility and it is a disaster. Take a listen. Here is Ted Cruz talking about what's going on at the border. We are witnessing an absolute travesty unfolding on our southern border. On Monday, we apprehended over 10,000 people on the border, the highest level in history. On Tuesday, we apprehended over 10,000 people on the border, again, the highest level in history. There are right now where we're standing more than 22,000 people camped just south of the border getting ready to come across. Just in this location, in less than a month, we've had over 35,000 Venezuelans cross illegally just right here, not counting the whole rest of the border. Every day just right here. They're encountering encountering 90 to 100 Chinese nationals. Now, for anyone that doesn't have their globe nearby, China is not immediately to the south of the United States. But 90 to 100 a day are crossing illegally on this border, being smuggled in by Mexican drug cartels. And, And I have to say I am angry. And I think a lot of us are angry. And this administration's like, no, the border is secure. Now that Title 42 has been lifted, there is chaos. Some of the scenes look like a third world country of these tent cities that are set up on both sides of the border. 
and they are sleeping on the streets of El Paso tonight. And they're saying that they are just being overrun with the volume of migrants coming through. So what should we do? We're going to take calls on that, everybody, after the break. What a scary situation. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Meantime, we're talking also about the Marine and so much more. Let's go to Jacqueline, line six. Jacqueline, your thoughts. You know, uh, I, I just want to uh, applaud you for clarifying to Phil about the uh, need to prove that the Marine acted recklessly. That's not going to happen. Those people on that train were terrified for their lives because he started saying that, uh, as you correctly pointed out, he was going to kill someone. Yeah, I'm going to die. And then he also was throwing things through trash, through his coat, all of that stuff. Uh, Jacqueline, thanks so much. Everybody will continue your calls. It's the Rita Cosby Show. The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, a beautiful story coming from Oklahoma City, where a 100-year-old World War II veteran who's also a pecan farmer from Bristow, Oklahoma, was honored at the state capitol this week. Even at 100 years old, Joe Isle still works on his pecan farm. I love that. I love pecans. Uh, But on Wednesday, his scenery changed to the Oklahoma state capitol, where he was recognized on the Senate floor. With a quick pace, Joe Isle walked into the Senate chambers with his son and grandsons by his side, and they presented him with a citation of congratulations, saying Joe Isle was one of those uncommon men who led an extraordinary life and bore witness to the past 100 years of Oklahoma. It was Joe's first time at the Capitol in about 10 years. Now, the crowd in the Senate learned about Joe's life, including his selfless service during World War II and how he dedicated the last 70 years to growing pecans. Uh, His son said he has been such a special father to me. He's got so many friends and family around the world, and we just love them. So get this, after a busy day in the world of politics, 100 years old, Joe Isle went back home to his pecans and back to the pecan farm. Wow, that I guess is the secret to longevity, uh, to keep busy and work with great pecans. (laughs) Not a bad thing after all. And, of course, everybody, we're talking about the border, and we are also talking still about Jordan Neely. And, of course, he is the homeless man who died after being put in a chokehold on the New York City subway. Today, they charged the Marine with manslaughter. And if you listen to the attorney for Jordan Neely, we've all seen the video. The video has gone viral. You see the guy acting crazy, and then he takes him down, trying to protect other people. Um, It's really over the top, and I think it sends, again, a really dangerous message about people being afraid now to intervene, and that's a sad reality. It's re- And where are the people, like the AOCs, who were accusing basically this situation, saying that it's execution, that it's murder? Where were they when 27 other people died at different times on New York City subways in recent years? They were nowhere. That's the answer. They didn't care about those deaths. They didn't highlight those deaths. They weren't protesting on those deaths. 
And yet on this one, they seem to be using this as their, you know, as their mantra. And we've seen subway lines close down. Uh, the train last weekend, they shut down the F train for a whole bunch of hours. Nobody could move. Um, they also blocked bridges. And now even the family is essentially saying that they're not happy with a manslaughter charge. Uh, many people contend there shouldn't be any charges. You heard what I said. The guy was just trying to help and save others. And other passengers have said that. They have stood by it. So unless you hear something different, uh, it seems right now he should not be charged at all. And yet the attorney for Jordan Neely, this is the homeless man. Uh, they make it sound like, you know, like the Marine, this Daniel Penny guy was like out to kill him, like intentionally went over and just wanted to go and kill him for no reason. I mean, that is absurd. Listen to what they said today after Daniel Penny, the Marine, was charged with manslaughter. Take a listen to this. What did he think would happen? What did he think would happen when he choked him and held on for almost 15 minutes? So if you look at this and say, was it intentional? Did Daniel Penny get up that morning saying, I'm going to go murder somebody? I don't believe he did. But in that moment, even if he was afraid to begin with, at some point when people are screaming, let him go, you're going to kill him. At some point when people are saying he defecated on himself, which is a sign he's losing his life. At some point when somebody screams, my wife is a nurse, I'm telling you, you're going to kill him. You're going to get a murder charge. He could have chose to let him go, but he didn't. And what did he think would happen if he didn't? He had to know he would die. He had to. And everybody says that they did not believe the intent was to kill him, that the the intent was to subdue him. And in fact, even a statement from Daniel Penny's attorney came out and said, He did not intend to harm the guy. His goal was to stop him. And it took two other guys. I'm curious what's going to happen. Are those other two guys going to be charged with what accessory or something? Because one of them was holding him down because Penny alone wasn't stopping the guy. He was so turbocharged. They had another guy like holding him down on the shoulders. They had another one holding him down on his arms. We haven't heard a thing about those guys. Are they about to be charged with some sort of form of accessory to this? Who knows? Based on what these people think, it sounds like it. It sounds like they want to charge everybody on the subway for not going over and asking, you know, Jordan Neely, how was your day while he's having a psychotic breakdown? I mean, that is the most ridiculous thing that these attorneys have said. And then they also say uh, Daniel Penny, they make it sound like the guy was like out to kill him and now is trying to soft pedal the story. Take a listen. Daniel Penny is getting a chance to rewrite what happened in the subway that 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 day as time goes by. He's gonna come up with more and more things to make himself look better because that's the only way that he can escape the consequences of what he did. But I tell you one thing, he cannot rewrite how the story ends. The story ends with his arms wrapped around Jordan's neck, choking him to death. And that's what he has to pay for. Those are the consequences that we cannot allow in our society. We cannot allow that type of, of aggression He's really fired up. Wow. 1-800-848-9222. Uh, let's go to Eddie. Line two. Eddie, your thoughts about all this, my friend? Yeah, Rita. I live in the next town over from West Islip. I have an old police friend, and I would meet him at a place called the Lion's Den. 
It's a little bar restaurant. Maybe you could call it a, it's a good conservative place. And I'm eating there years ago, and the porter's going around. He cleans the tables off, brings your food to your beer, and uh, walking around just happily like, no frown on his face, just very normal. And uh, I start talking to him. We joke around. We both laugh. And what a gentleman. And it was Daniel uh, Daniel uh, Penny. Oh, wait a minute. So Daniel Penny, the Marine, you're saying was what, working at this restaurant or this pub? What What was he doing and what year was this, Eddie? Yes. Um, oh, God. I think it was before he was a Marine because he was working two places in the town and he was younger. Uh, and he wasn't a bartender. He was a porter. And um, I, from my assessment of his character, which seemed very normal to me, uh, he was a gentleman. He really was. And I would say if you took me back then and you were sitting at the table, we we spoke about what a nice uh, young man he was. I would say there would not be a mean bone in his body or soul. And I don't think he was out to kill anyone. Listen, you've been on subways. I've been on. And if someone's in front of you throwing garbage at you, I wouldn't take it too lightly. And then taking the coat off to what? You know, start start hitting you? Or does he have a weapon? I think uh, that what Dylan did was appropriate, but like you, I'd like to see the blood work and the physical autopsy results, uh, because if you put your fingers under your chin on your trachea, there are ribs of cartilage. I mean, it's tough, but if it gets cracked in the military, they teach you the butt of a gun, your fist to the enemy, and it puts them down on the ground. But also, if you squeeze tight enough, which I'm doing now, you know, you're your air gets cut off because it not necessarily cracks the trachea, but it displaces it toward the back of the throat, you know, and, and Dylan, um, maybe you mean uh, Daniel, Daniel, right. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, He didn't know how far he was displacing it. You know, I I don't think he went in there to kill someone. I don't either. And when I hear, and when I hear the attorneys make it sound like he's like a cold blooded killer, like he was walking on the subway, like Rambo, um, I think it's a dangerous place. Uh, you know what scares me, Eddie, is that, um, and it's interesting because you met him. And again, obviously every circumstance is different, but you said he seemed to be a very kind, uh, you know, mild-mannered guy. And that's a very different description than we get of Jordan Neely, um, who I'm sure, um, you know, was a kind person at some points in his life, but clearly was also a very troubled young man. Um, and it's a scary situation, um, as you point out, when you're on a subway and you're stuck. Um, and you're, is he a big guy, by the way, uh, Daniel Penny? Like, do you remember physique or anything? It's just interesting to know. Um, well, he was a surfer, so he was lean. Yeah. And that's what he looks like too. Yeah. Lean and athletic. Um, I'm I'm six foot about as tall as me. Um, and well, you know, when you're in a subway like that, you're, you're basically prisoner, right? And I think um, going through the Marines, my dad was a Marine. So, you know, you once a Marine, always a Marine. He went out to protect those people, uh, the Americans. Yeah, you know, that's and, and that's right. That's that. That is the fire. That's their their code of honor. And um, and so far, we've only heard people say the exact thing that his intent was to subdue him. And then he puts him in the recovery position. And telling people to call 911. I mean, none of these actions are the actions of somebody who, who even snapped at one moment to kill somebody. It just, it doesn't, it just doesn't align. 
Um, but the sad reality is, is clearly the mob wants a charge. And I hope um, that when it goes to a grand jury that it gets thrown out because I think it is such a dangerous situation if we're in a place where people are afraid to step in more than they already are. Um, that's going to be a really scary place. We don't have enough police officers everywhere. The officers feel that they don't have uh, the back of, of society. They're getting called into internal affairs. This is really a dangerous cauldron. Um, Eddie, thank you very, very much. Uh, let's go to Mark. Line four. Mark, your thoughts. Hello, this is Mike. Hey, Mike. Sorry about that. Go ahead, Mike. It's okay. Uh, yeah, I think his, uh, it came automatic course of repetitious training he, he might have done that chokehold in the military a thousand times over and over and over again so it comes automatic whatever you do is automatic you leave everything out that's all you, you that's all you do everything is automatic but there's a one other thing i want to say Rita. my father used to in his gray hair old age he used to cook and bring food to athens square park all the greek politicians do him. My father would be in a mess of people that were down on their luck, okay? If you could go and see these people and see the old man sitting in the midst of them, you'd be afraid for him. But they all knew him and loved him. So maybe Christine should take some elderly people that they got in old age homes and let them cook for these homeless and, and treat them like human beings. Because this is not going to end. It's going to be one thing after the other. It's just going to get worse and worse. People got to start treating other people like human beings. You know, there could have been people on that train with a bottle of water or a couple of cookies. And they gave it to the guy or even threw it at the guy. The guy was, he would appreciate it. It would have brought down his guard. You know what I mean? There's things you got to do, man. And and, uh, by, and by the way, Mike, I agree, too, if there's something that can diffuse this situation. The thing that, to me, where I was just saying that I think we're in a dangerous place where people are too scared to help because they're afraid if somebody's going to snap if they're a little crazy. Um, but, you, but you just brought up a great point because um, there are, um, you know, different uh, levels of this. There are people who are down on their luck. Um, and, and believe me, I can't tell how many times I've given money or given food to a homeless person. Um, there are so many times that I try to do that, but then there are other times where like one time somebody lunge, it lunges after you. You're like, Oh boy, you know, and it's just scary when you're on a subway. And especially if somebody says I'm ready to die, uh, that's, that's where it gets scary. You know, it's not like he's going around saying, hey, do you have a I, I think I haven't I don't think I've ever been on the subway in New York where someone hasn't been, you know, panhandling and asking for money or food. Um, it's when they're making threats and throwing things and all that. That's when it gets really dangerous and scary. But your point's a great one that obviously anything we can do to try to intervene and help these people and the city should be doing more to help these people. And, and you know, we get into we were talking about the migrants just now, you guys. And all I could think about um, is all the money that we're spending on the migrants. We are spending $5 million a day in New York City to house the migrants, to take care of the migrants, all these things. It would be nice if we used some of that money first to help uh, great Americans and other people who are down on their luck, as you just so eloquently described, Mike. I think it is so, so important. Thanks so much. Let's go to Jimmy. Line two. Jimmy, your thoughts about this? Imagine you're on an airplane and some crazy guy gets up, running up and down the aisle, threatening to kill people, throwing food. You jump on that guy. You stab him in the neck with a fork if you have to. This is crazy. Your caller you just had, why don't he invite some of these people to his house? 
That guy wasn't just walking around, I'm hungry, please. People like that you usually give to. Not when somebody's walking around like this, it was a threat. And the thing is, some people the other day said something like, well, he didn't do anything, he didn't attack anybody. You want to stop them before they do the attack, and you hold them. We know this Marine didn't want to kill this guy. Look, this Marine is the kind of guy you'd want your daughter to marry, or this Marine's the kind of guy you'd want your son to be. This poor guy, I feel sorry for him. Now, that guy, Alba, remember the Hispanic guy? Yeah, he Jose Alba, who got charged by right, Alvin right. Bragg. Right, but the Hispanics rose up, and the, they, the black radicals knew we don't want to cause a conflict here between black and Hispanics, so it kind of calmed down a bit. The problem with this Marine, he was white, he's a Marine, and the race hustlers, the revolutionaries, they're all out there looking for trouble. This is I feel sorry for the guy that got killed. You don't go into a lion's cage, and then people complain that the lion killed him. You leave people alone. You don't threaten people. I'm on the subway at night. I'm not afraid, but I see little old ladies walking in after work terrified, and they sit next to me, hoping that I'd be the one kind of guy that would protect her. We have to protect each other. It doesn't matter race. Look, I would turn my own brother in if he attacked somebody on the subway. No, we got no right from wrong, man. You're right. Jimmy, thank you. Yeah, so great to hear from you, too. Those are absolutely superb points. And you know what? I, I agree. That's why I have compassion for people who are down in their luck, have had problems. And, and listen, this Jordan Neely guy clearly had issues when you hear his story. I mean, it's a real troubled past, and it's heartbreaking. But it doesn't give him the right to attack other people and assault other people. And just like you said, you're stuck there. When you're on a subway, you, you gave the description of being on an airplane. You're stuck. There's nowhere to go. And, you know, the, the minutes feel like hours when you're seeing somebody being really crazy and I, I don't I don't think there's ever been a time where I and I don't go on the subway that much. But when I've been on it, there are the few times where I've seen it. And every time there's somebody crazy and nutty and it is downright frightening. And you want somebody like a Jimmy from Brooklyn sitting next to us or a Daniel Penny sitting next to us, because God forbid somebody's about to snap and you can point. There's probably like 20 people on almost every car that looks like they're on the verge of it. And you're wondering, OK, who's going to snap first? Uh, and it's a sad reality. And again, we got to get them help, but it doesn't mean that they have the right to endanger all of us. We're going to come back and continue with your calls, everybody, right after the break. It's the Rita Cosby Show. Is there a lot to talk about as we are talking about the Jordan Neely case and, of course, everything going on at the border? Uh, let's go, if we can, let's go to Russ on line five. Go ahead, Russ, your thoughts. Hey, Rita, I only like to call to add some new information and not repeat the same things over and over and some correct some inaccuracies. You know, first of all, I'm a Trump voter. I'm not a big supporter, but he is the peace candidate. So, you know, people should know that. This, this situation with the son of Sam Law, you, you brought up the fact that Mr. Penny's going to get a lot of money. Well, if he's convicted of Actually, a Actually, Russ, I didn't bring that up. What I said was 
there is a uh, defense fund, basically, and that would go towards probably legal fees. Um, and that's that's what. So go ahead. I thought I heard someone say it about a book deal in movies, but maybe I probably was wrong. You know, uh, Actually, you're right. Somebody else I'm did. A, Somebody else said I'm he a, might get that. Yep, yep, but go ahead. Would you use AI, you know, artificial intelligence to predict pre-crime, you know, like Tom Cruise and Minority Report? Because that seems like it would be better than human judgment, and that's kind of what you're looking for, pre-crime, people who are inclined to do bad things. Would you go along with AI on that? Uh, you know what? Uh, I think I know where you're going. You can't predict where someone's going to go, but if you look at somebody's history, it's not a prediction. Uh, you know, if you're looking at Jordan Neely, he had 42 priors, including assaults. So it's not a, oh, let's see what might happen. It's, well, he's done it 42 times before. He's screaming at people and saying, I'm ready to die. Uh, I think it's more reality than a prediction, but go ahead. I heard your interview with Kenneth. I thought he was flirting with you. He said the autopsy report's been done. He knows a lot of cops. He knows the autopsy report. If there were any drugs in Neely's system, we'd know. We know everything else. The guy was smoking K2. It's a poor man's pot that you get for $2. He had no money. You need money to buy drugs. On Mark Simone today, Mark Simone said there were no drugs in the system. And the other thing, someone asked about water. Although Kenneth Kenneth said that he has not gotten it yet, and he seems sincere on that because... The the comment was, we also had Rudy Giuliani in the studio at the time, and Rudy is like, well, uh, maybe that indicates something. And he said, yeah, I thought it was interesting we hadn't gotten it. He seems sincere, and I didn't think he was flirting with me, by the way, either, but uh, to your point there. Um, but uh, I think he very much felt that there was not all the information that he could have had to defend his client. And and everybody deserves justice. Don't you think about that? You clearly think that Daniel Penny, what, should be in solitary? Is that what you're thinking? I should. I think he should have been arrested right away because you got to investigate early, as Kenneth said. Now his father is a cop. You know, Penny's father was a cop. He heard stories about scales and subduing people. Let me ask you real quick: that recovery position you say he helped him move. He moved his legs to get his hat underneath the subway seat. That's what Mr. Penny was doing. I had to look at it again. And one last thing: did that Marine know a chokehold could kill somebody? Obviously, obviously he knew a chokehold could potentially, but nobody at this point has said his goal was to kill him. And that's where it's going to get. I I think it's not as black and white as you clearly think it is, Russ. And you don't think this guy is a hero? I I mean, I think we don't want to be in a world where people are afraid to help others. That is a really, really sad place. Boy, is that a sad place. BJ, let me go to you real quick. Uh, BJ, your thoughts on all this. Go ahead, my friend. Well, with with people like Russ, we don't need criminals. Uh, we could just lie down and let people just swoop us up and overrun our country like they're doing right now. Yeah, you know what, uh, BJ, you bring up a good point with people like Russ. You know what? Don't worry. Don't defend yourself.